Happy Father's Day to all of you dads. Being a dad is the most, perhaps the most underrated, underappreciated thing in our culture, yet I would argue one of the absolute most important. So goes the family, so goes the church, so goes the church, so goes the nation. James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27 is where we will be this morning. James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. If you're a guest this morning, we're so glad you're here. We hope that you're blessed by the fellowship, by praising the Lord, by uh, the warm spirit in this room, and we hope that God speaks through His Word. Let's pray. Father, we do need you. Together, Lord, we say thank you for all the dads in our lives. God, we thank you for being the most awesome dad ever. So, Lord, together we say happy Father's Day to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. God, we pray right now. God, I pray that you would remove me out of this equation. God, I pray that anything that I had planned to say, Lord, you would strike it from my mind. God, I pray that you would help us to hear your word. And to do your word. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. James chapter 1. Our focus is going to be on verses 19 all the way through 27. But really, to give us the proper context, we're going to start in verse 18. So uh, if we don't have that on the screen, it's okay. Um, The reason why is because the paragraphs that we put into Scripture really are not there in the Hebrew and Greek. Neither are the verses. And so sometimes because of that, we don't appreciate, do not appreciate maybe proper context. So look at verse 18. Basically, James had been talking about of his own will. He brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. James is talking about what the Lord did in our life. He's brought us to come to, come to know Christ through his word. And so based on that, we start in verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Well, Paul's right there. James was the half-brother of Jesus. We talked about last week that certainly, what a miracle for the actual brother, physical brother of Jesus, to call the Jesus Lord. What a great apologetic. And so here he is admonishing the church, speaking to believers, Jewish believers that is. And he's saying, let every person be quick to hear. Quick to hear what? Well, the preceding verse tells us, the word. Everyone say, the word. Now let's leave the the out. That's kind of complicated. Let's just say word. Ready? Word. The word in the New Testament, there's rhema and there's logos. Logos is referring to the inerrant word of God. These 66 books that we have included in the canon. And it is the most underrated object that you and I possess. Did you know that? Number one. J. Vernon McGee says it's the number one seller but the worst read book in the world. And that's true. And it's true in my life many days and and perhaps some other people. 
But James is very kind. He starts off in verse 9. He calls them my beloved brothers. But what you need to know about James is he does not play around. He doesn't cut any corners. He's just going to go straight to the truth. And he says, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You know, God gave us two ears and one mouth. Because he knew that we needed to listen more than we speak. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Have you gotten angry lately over something that really probably didn't matter all that much? That doesn't please the Lord. He wants us to be slow to anger. Verse 21. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Verse 21. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. What does that mean? What does that mean for your life? What does that mean for my life? Well, exactly what it says. Put away all the junk. Put away things that God hates. Put away things that are going to cause you to stumble in your walk with God. This is not a popular verse. In fact, many days we don't want to hear the Word of God because it's like a mirror. We hold it up to our life and we look at it and it hurts. Wow, I don't like what I see. Because see, the mirror does not lie. Correct? Have you ever... um, Something happened and then you saw it on video and you saw yourself saying something and you thought, well, what in the world was I thinking? That's why I don't listen to my own sermons. I can't stand it. Verse 21. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. James doesn't stutter and God's Word doesn't stutter. What does that mean? It means put it away. That means any uh, DVDs at your house that are filthy, put them away, burn them, throw them in the trash. Any music you listen to that's offensive to the, the Lord, chunk it, throw it away. Anything that God has said clearly in His Word to not touch, not to look at, throw it away. Well, I spent a lot of money. Who cares? Throw it away. Do away with it. Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. When smartphones first came out, I had, had a phone. I normally got the free phone that they offered. Uh, you guys remember the, the, the free phone, the little Nokias, and then they came out with the little uh, Kia Sera. Anybody remember that, the flip phone? That was my go-to. And, and they came out with these smartphones, and um, I thought, well, I'm going to try to be smart and have one of those. They get, had a good deal on one. Well, I was living by myself at the time in college, and uh, I realized after three days, you know, that is a gateway to a whole lot of, a lot of good things, and, but it also can be a, a gateway to some bad things, and I I was living by myself, and I thought, well, this may not be a good combination. Why? Because I know my flesh. Our flesh can take us farther than we want to go, and our flesh can keep us there longer than we want to stay. Did you know that? So I took that phone back to the store. I said, hey, I, I, I want to turn this phone back in and get, get the old Kia Sarah, the new version. And they said, well, wh- what's wrong with the phone? I said, no, nothing. Phone's working great. Okay, well, let me see my, talk to my manager. I'm thinking, why do they need to talk to the manager? My receipt says I've got so many days I can take this phone back. So the manager comes out, sir, what's wrong with this phone? I said, I don't think anything's wrong with this phone. I just want to bring it back. 
Well, what's wrong with it? You don't like it? No, I, I like it okay. Um, it does a lot of nice things, but I don't want it. And I was not about to sit there and give an expositional sermon on why I did not need to have that phone. But the point is, is there's stuff in your life, in my life, and everybody's different. We all know our limits. We all know uh, what we struggle with more than others. Fathers, what you do in moderation, your children will do in excess. You hear me, dads and moms? What you do in moderation, your children will possibly do in excess. I know this is not popular, but that's, this is the Word of God. Verse 22. But be doers of the Word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You see, we can hear the Bible all day long. We can memorize it. We can read through it every year. We can teach it. We can talk about it. We can brag about it. But if we don't do it, if we don't put faith, put our feet to the faith, then this right here, James and God's Word says we are deceiving ourselves. Have you ever been deceived before? Ever been deceived by an insurance company? Or uh, maybe when you bought a house and uh, maybe s- something didn't happen that was supposed to happen. Or maybe you bought a car and all of a sudden they say, well, this is the interest rate that you have. And you say, well, you guaranteed that I, I've been pre-approved to have this interest rate. And so in our culture, we're deceived all the time. And we, do you like it when you're deceived? No. You take it personal? Absolutely. You want to fight? Yeah. Well, when we just hear the word and we don't do it, we are deceiving ourselves. Do you love yourself? You need to. The Lord loves you so much he sent his son to die for you. The Lord loves you so much that he's actually spending time right now doing surgery on our hearts through his spirit. We need to love ourselves. We don't need to deceive our own selves by not doing the word. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Why does James use a mirror? Because that's what the law of God does. If I were to hold this up and everybody looked at themselves, now I found this mirror uh, this week. They were cleaning up for vacation Bible school. So this week, you should say yes to VBS and become a part of that. But we have uh, the Bible school people know what I'm referencing when I say yes to VBS, old school VBS song. But I found this. I said, hey, I need that for Sunday. And so when we look in our mirror, see if you can see yourself. Balcony folks, I don't know if you can see that. You see yourself? Did you find yourself too fast? I'm sorry. It's dirty. Hey, do not judge my mirror. I look for some Windex and we don't have any. You see, did you find yourself? You guys look great. Don't be insecure. Here's the point. Some days we may look in the mirror and say, oh, I don't know about this day. 
And then we walk away for a few hours. It gets into the afternoon. And we forget what we looked like that morning when we looked in that mirror. And we start thinking, you know what? I'm doing all right. And then we get back home. We brush our teeth that night and think, oh, man, I'm reminded. And it's a humbling thing to look in the mirror. You don't believe God has, has a sense of humor? Just come up here after the service and look right into this mirror. I'm just kidding. Some of you are so sensitive. But we should be doers of the word. Why, why does God continually talk about his word? Because we need it. We need it. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. The word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. It pierces even to joint and marrow. Dividing the soul and the spirit. The word of the Lord endures forever. Why is this a big deal? Because we need it just like we need to breathe. It's our spiritual breathing. Now some of us are going to go eat after the service, or if you have a crock pot stewing right now, you can make all kinds of stuff in a crock pot, by the way. Aren't those things awesome? But the reality of some of us, we're going to eat lunch, because we're Americans. And then, sometime this week, if you have not already, you're going to make preparations and plans and eventually go to the grocery store and buy some food, right? Well, yeah, that's what we do. You can even pull up in the parking lot and they'll bring it and put it in your car. Nowadays, it's insane. We make preparations for food. Why? Because you have to have it. It's our gasoline. It provides energy. We, it's, ne- it's so necessary to our life because eventually if we do not eat, what will happen? We'll get sick and, yeah, the obvious. We need the Word of God. We need to eat the Word of God. And if we do not eat it, if we do not act on it, then spiritually we'll dry up. We're going to walk in our flesh left and right if we're not taking time to let the Word of God marinate our life. A wise older seminary professor taught us in spiritual formation class, chew on the Word of God like a cow chews on cud. Have you done that lately? In your quiet time, you may, think, you may say today, well, I don't have a quiet time. Have you been to my house? It's never quiet. Well, if you do not have a time, you need to start making a time. Today, you can decide. Just like you're going to make preparations to go eat, you can make preparations in your life to spend some time in God's Word. Now, the reason why most of us do not spend time is why? It hurts. It's a mirror. It tells us things about our life that we don't want to hear. We don't want to see it. It's offensive. You want me to tell you a few offensive things in the Bible? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me, is what the Lord said. Did you know that the Bible, we talked about last week, that says that our heart is deceitful? Oh, that it did not. Yes, it did. Do you know that the Bible says that Christians that have been born again actually should share their faith? Can you believe that it says that? 
How can they call on the one of whom they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they've never heard about? How can they hear unless someone tells them? Did you know that the Bible has the audacity to tell us we should be unashamed of the gospel? (gasps) Did you know that Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing? Can you believe he said that? He had the audacity. Yes, he is the Lord. (laughs) He can say whatever he wants. I was doing some sermon prep back in January, and I've only done this two times. It it was really refreshing for my life, but I I went somewhere to study, and I was at this coffee shop on the Gulf Coast. And I'm sitting there doing, I I don't remember, maybe it was Exodus or something, I was getting ready to, and I was so excited. I about did a hallelujah shout right there out in public, and I had my Bible on this little table, and the Word of God is living and active, right? And, the, you know, when the Lord just, mm, like something was going on on this, on this table. And I was so excited. And this other, another pastor asked me, um, I didn't know they were a pastor, said, hey, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm actually sermon prepping. And they said, well, me too. I said, well, how about that? Come on with it. And uh, it was a lady pastor, which I believe violates First Timothy chapter 2, but that's another sermon for another day. That, hey, that's another thing. It's offensive in the Word. We don't like it. It's not popular. Hey, it's the Word, okay? I'm going with the Word. If it gets me thrown in jail, please send me some fruitcake. Actually, don't send me fruitcake. Send me some WD-40. That'll fix anything. So, I thought of that in the moment, by the way. Lord, I gave you credit for that one. But any, anywho, uh, this lady, I said, you know, what are you studying? So she's telling me, you know, uh, some these trendy articles and whatnot. And I thought, how sad. Now, trendy articles are good, but I'm thinking my table's shaking because the Word of God's sitting on top of it. And, and the sheep need to eat the Word. And I was so broken. And so I just, I told her, sister, I hope that you do well. I'm in your corner. I'm cheering you on. If you guys reach people for the Lord, I'm with it. That's a win for me. That's a win for the kingdom. If your church does well, if people come to know Christ, if people grow in their walk for the Lord, I'm with you. But I couldn't help think, how sad that those people may not hear. Now, I could be wrong. Maybe she talked word for word or expository, whatever, topical. It doesn't matter how you get there as long as you get the word. And... uh That's just a random illustration that I thought about. The word, it's sharp, it hurts, we need it. The problem in the church today is that people are dependent on Sunday morning sermon time or Sunday school to get the word, which is great. We need that. That's why we do it. You know, I could sit up here and make up jokes. I could tell lame jokes all day, but y'all don't want to hear it, neither do I. I could learn how to be more entertaining. We could start having stuff spray out of the ceiling. And and we can do all kinds of stuff to entertain people. And and we may draw a big crowd doing that. But God has called us to teach and preach the Word of God. Why? Because it's the Word that sets people free from their sin. It's the Word that gives people hope. It is the Word that speaks to people directly. It is the Word of God that when you're discouraged, you can be encouraged through the Word. It's the word that feeds the sheep. 
And we shouldn't worship the word. God's given us his word for his glory and for our good. So fathers, fathers, today is your day. It's a good day. But men of God, I want to encourage you. Put away the wickedness and the filthiness and stand up, stand in the gap because you are God's man. And the ladies will be a lot more grateful for you. There's many days that I'm not the man of God that God's called me to be. But this morning, it's not my brother nor my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord. Can you say that today? Lord, would you, would you help me to focus not on everybody else's problems, but God, would you help me to focus on my walk with you today? God, would you speak to me individually? So pretty much the two focus points of this sermon, if you didn't hear nothing else, hear the word, hear the word, that was a beautiful squeal, <laughs> hear the word and do the word, got it? So if you're eating, eating the crock pot lunch or if you're going out to Wendy's or wherever you're going and sermon comes up or the, the worship service comes up, hear the word and do the word, got it? Hear the word and do the word. We should be unafraid to talk about what God did in the church house. We should talk about what God did in our small group, in our class. We should talk about what God's doing in people's lives. We should be unashamed of the gospel. Verse 26, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, to keep oneself unstained from the world. Verse 26 talks about the tongue. If anyone thinks he is religious but does not bridle, excuse me, his or her tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Well, that's offensive. Well, yes, it is. Religion is a word that James uses. That's a unusual word for the New Testament. Verse 26, many scholars believe, is talking about non-believers. Because anyone, their religion is worthless, or people that claiming to know the Lord but run their mouth a lot, they do not bridle their tongue, they're probably not saved. But chapter 3 talks about taming the tongue. Chapter 3 is a, a, an encouragement, we'll get to that in a few weeks, about the tongue and how even though a ship is really large, that tongue can be the rudder that changes the direction. That tongue is what can set a, f a forest ablaze. That tongue is powerful. We'll get to that in a few weeks. Now, don't try to figure out when that is because you might not want to come, but just come. We'll, we'll, we'll lay all of our tongues on the altar. But verse 27 says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction, to keep oneself unstained from the world. So two things, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Did you know it's not the government's job to take care of orphans? It's the church. 
It's the church's job. Vacation Bible School this week, they'll be uh, gathering paper products, and their offering is going to go to the uh, Baptist Children's Village here on the Gulf Coast in our district. Isn't that awesome? But we should all figure out a way to help take care of orphans and encourage widows. Have you encouraged a a widow lately? It's not too late to do the right thing. To keep, and then it says to keep oneself unstained from the world. Well, that's offensive. I don't like that. Well, maybe so. To keep oneself unstained from the world. What does that mean? Exactly what it says. It doesn't mean to not smell like the woods when you walk out through the woods or you go fishing, try not to smell like the ocean. But what the world, that word world is talking about, the rebellious nature of the world the mindset of the world that is hostile to the gospel. The mindset in America that could care less about the Lord. If you put your hope in the Republican Party or the Democratic Party, friend, they're going to let you down. The Lord would never will. Keep oneself unstained from the world. There's too much of the world in the church and too much of the world inside of us. So what do we do about it? Well, you need to be out in the world. Paul said, uh, be in the world, but not of the world. There's a difference. Be in it, that means be around lost people. Be, a, be out in the workplace. Be in the home. Be, be out there and be alert to what God's doing around you. But do not let the ways of the world rub off on your life. Don't flirt with things that Jesus came to die for, to pay for. Don't slap the Lord in the face because of your personal entertainment, filthy entertainment. Don't take slack to things of God that he said in his word clearly for us not to touch. Jesus said, if a man lusts after a woman, there's adultery in his heart. Friend, there's a whole lot of repentance that needs to happen in the church in America. It should be the men of God that step up and are at this altar crying over and being broken over their marriage, their family, and our nation. Now that I've beat up all of our guys, including myself, let me encourage the guys. Friend, you can be a man of God. You have all the spiritual warfare armor that you need. If you know how to say, in the name of Jesus, get away from me, that'll do, take you a, a great distance spiritually. If you learn how to die to yourself and let Christ live through you, you can do whatever God calls you to do. And when sin comes your way, when temptation comes your way, talked about it last week, Temptation is not the sin, but acting out on that temptation. We need accountability, don't we, men? We need accountability. The ladies need that too. We don't like accountability because we want to do what we want to do when we want to do it. But men of God, I want to encourage you. You are God's A plan for your family. I want to say to the men of God in this room that are not married, 
Paul talked about singleness is a gift from God. We can do more for the Lord single than if we were married and have a family. Did you know that? See, that, that may not be popular either. How come when we read through the book of Acts and we read this, God's doing miracles and things are happening, people are getting saved every day and people are being set free and people that are sick are being healed, and in America, the church is asleep. Why? Because we're doing our own thing on our own strength. That's why. And men of God, if it's about your effort and what you can do for the Lord, then you're never going to do it. Here's the good news. Here's the encouragement. Jesus told the disciples, guys, I'm going to go away. They said, oh, Lord, it's been a good ride. What, what, why are, what are you thinking? Stay with us. He said, guys, if I go away, I'm going to send the helper. Capital H. I'm going to send the helper. It's better for me, better for you, if the helper comes instead of me in the flesh. That's a strong statement, by the way. And he will help you. And you will see even greater things. It's good to have the Lord Jesus standing beside you, but it's better to have him living on the inside. And friend, that's what we have. We have the Spirit of God living inside of us. The key is surrender, is yielding to that Spirit and letting Christ live His life through us. It's not, I need to try hard to have my quiet time this week. No. It's, I'm going to die to myself. I'm going to rest crucified. And Lord, I need you to help me. And then when you get to the text, if you're like me, you kind of can fall asleep sometimes, especially if it's Leviticus. And, but, but you say, Lord, help me see something that can apply to my life. God, help me feed on your word. Ask for his help. Just say, Lord, help me. And I bet you, he'll help you. He will. He'll help you. You read through Leviticus, you'll say, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the new covenant. Thank you, Lord, that I don't have to perform. Thank you that I don't have to have it figured out. Thank you, God, that my theology doesn't have to be perfect. By the way, if someone says their theology is perfect, run from them, right? Today, be encouraged. I believe God's here and he's working in our lives, so we're going to go into a time of invitation. Only you know how you need to respond to this word, okay? And I want to encourage you. Don't worry about what anybody thinks about you. It's not going to matter in a thousand years what they thought about you anyways. It's not going to matter what they thought you wore to church was good enough. It's not going to matter if they think your job is good enough. It's not going to matter what they think about you at all. The only thing that's going to matter is what the Lord knows about you. Christ came to do what you could not do. Friend, the gospel is you don't, it's not about what you can do. It's all about Christ and what he did on the cross for you. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, right? Right? Come on, let's start acting like it. Let's pray.